grace and mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Gospel, Matthew chapter 25. And while the foolish virgins were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. Dear friends in Christ, I have not often preached on the parable of the ten virgins, and probably for good reason. Because this parable is fraught with ways that it could be misinterpreted, and I, as a preacher, don't want to get it wrong. How does one preach this parable? I have heard preachers in other churches ask the question in preaching this parable, well, what kind of virgin are you? For parents who are with us today, I may have given you some work in explaining that question after the sermon is over. So, looking at the parable, why have I not preached it often? Well, because so many questions come into my mind as I read it. What is normal about this parable? Scholars know so very little about the wedding customs and practices of first century Jewish society that in reading this parable, I get caught up in the weirdness of the story. I mean, where is the bride? Why is the groom being met by ten virgins? Is it normal for a bridegroom to delay on his own wedding night? If so, is the failure of the five foolish virgins excusable? When the five wise virgins tell the others to go and buy oil in the middle of the night, does the local 7-Eleven even carry lamp oil? What does the oil even represent in this parable? And if you're like me, then you read the parable and you find yourself guessing at the answers of these questions and other aspects of the parable. Here is what I do know about Jesus' parables. He tells them not to make us say questions or things or that confound us in the parable, but to reveal something about Jesus' reign now that he has come into this world. Jesus starts this parable with this statement. The kingdom of heaven will be like. It is in the future. Jesus is saying, what will it be like when Jesus comes back? What will it be like for the world? And he says, well, it'll be like ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom. Jesus is that bridegroom. He is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And these ten virgins are all the people on the earth. Some people may ask the question, when did those virgins go out to meet the bridegroom? Where has the bridegroom been all this time? Both good questions, but Jesus is not concerned with the weirdness of the parable, nor are questions about the parable. He is telling this parable to reveal something about his reign and his coming again. What do we know? Is that the virgins are all waiting for the bridegroom, who is the Christ, who is the son of the king. And as he tarries, as he waits, all of their lamps go out. The virgins want to go along with the bridegroom to accompany him to where he is going. But because he seems long in coming, they have lost the light of their lamps. Suddenly then, a cry goes up at midnight. The bridegroom comes. And these ten virgins all rise to trim their wicks, to light their lamps. The five foolish virgins realize their lamps are not staying lit. Without their lamps staying alight, they cannot accompany the bridegroom to the marriage feast. And they petitioned the five wise virgins, saying, Give us some of the oil for our lamps, because our lamps are going out. Now many people have made this a parable about evangelism. Share your oil, fellow Christians, so that everyone may enter into the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom. 
And if oil in this parable were faith, I would say, yes, do that. But you will notice that the wise virgins say, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. They say to the foolish virgins, no, you go and get some for yourself. To read their refusal as selfish or fearful is to miss what Jesus is saying. What is most important here? To meet and to honor the bridegroom. Nothing can be allowed to be put in jeopardy. Nothing. And why? Well, here comes the five foolish virgins after they purchased some oil. And they come to the door of the marriage feast and it is shut. And they address the bridegroom with the veneration he deserves saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And the son of the king responds, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Yikes. And then Jesus' admonition to us, his listeners, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now comes the question that creeps into everyone's mind. As the admonition of Christ washes over us and we realize that some people are left outside the marriage feast of the Lamb, the question is this, am I ready? Jesus has said this glorious appearance will happen suddenly, and you and I do not know the day nor the hour. The Old Testament lesson seems to lead toward a desire for this day not to happen. The prophet, prophet Amos says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and was met by a bear. Well, who can prepare for such a thing then? I think most people... Most Christians read this parable, hear the admonition of the Lord, and they think, well, I have to get ready. I have to prepare for the Lord's coming. And what comes to mind when we think about getting ready? Well, I should probably keep the commands a bit better and make up with my Uncle Fred and bury the hatchet. And with my neighbor who let their dog drop the deuce on my lawn every single day, I have hated them for that. I should pay my taxes. I should go back to church. I should read my Bible and increase my tithe. And dear friends, when we think like this, we also miss the point of Jesus' parable altogether. Jesus is not saying get prepared. He's saying be prepared right now. What is the oil in that lamp? The truth of the word? Repentance? Humble faith? Willingness to suffer for the name of Christ? Denial of self? Longing for the name of God to be hallowed, desire for his kingdom to come, the waters of baptism? Yes, to all. But none of those things come from us. Those are all the work of the Holy Spirit. Even his body and blood that we eat today to forgive our sins and strengthen our faith unto life everlasting is not from us, but the gift of God who has prepared us for his coming. You see, if I say, get ready, the Lord is coming, you ask, well, how do I do that? But if I say, be ready, the Lord is coming, you ask, am I ready? And the word of the Lord says to you this, the one and only Son of God paid for the sins of the world, all of your sins, by spilling and spending his blood on the cross. All of your sins are forgiven and all of your guilt is atoned for. You are ready. And you say, Amen. The word of the God, God says to you, the Lord Jesus Christ came to rise from the dead on the third day. And because he rose, you too shall rise from the dead. You are ready. And you say, Amen. You did nothing to pay for sin. Nothing to assure your resurrection from the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ did all to prepare you for his coming. The parable does not tell you to get prepared, but to be prepared. 
You ask yourself, am I prepared? The answer is, in Christ I am fully and completely prepared. Let the day come, for it will be darkness for some, but light for us, terror for some, but joy for us. Today the Holy Spirit was given in full measure to our brother Michael. Is he ready? Everything necessary for his salvation was granted to him this day, just as it was to you in the waters of your baptism. Today, Michael is cut off from the eternal consequences of sin, paid for by being baptized into Christ's death. Death has lost its sting, and eternal life is granted, given by the one who said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I had a cousin who was a finishing carpenter. And the reason I know this story is it made it into Reader's Digest section called Life's Like That. He told the story that he was working with a piece of wood and his usual watchfulness slipped as the saw he was working with cut about a, an inch to an inch and a half into his hand. Quickly wrapping the hand, he rushed to the hospital and as he was being admitted, the emergency nurse unwrapped the hand and said, Martin, was it an electric saw or a hand saw that you cut yourself with? Martin said, ma'am, if it were a handsaw, I would have quit cutting a lot sooner. <laughs> in our sin, we worry that in a moment of unwatchfulness, the Christ will come and we will not make the cut. But all that was necessary to cut you off from sin, all that was necessary to make you ready, is done. There is no need to remove a hand or a foot, for Christ had his hands and feet pierced and pinned to the cross for your sake. Jesus squared off against sin, death, and the devil on the cross, and they bruised his heel, but he crushed the head of Satan underfoot, paid for your sin, one man for all men, and rose from the dead to give you the promise of life everlasting. He took the lashing for us, the punishment we deserved, his whipping heals us, his death forgives us, his resurrection saves us. God sent his son, who died and rose again for us. All that needs to be done is done, and we are ready. Are you watchful enough? Paul says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is a God who establishes us with you in Christ. He has anointed us, put his seal of ownership upon us, and given his Holy Spirit to us in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Sin, Satan, and death holds no terror for us. For in Christ we have victory. Dear friends, in Christ your sins are forgiven, and in Christ you are ready for his return. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now let us pray. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in and through Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.